Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. We wanted to start this and kick this off now, okay? Why are we talking about finances? Why are we talking about generosity now? Uh, First thing that you should know is we want you to be free, okay? We believe God wants you to be free, and absolutely, we, as leadership, we want our community, we want each other to be free. And as we approach the holidays every year, we try to sneak in a couple talks, at least one or two um, couple talks, talking about uh, uh, stewardship and generosity, namely because as we go- get into the holidays and the Christmas season, we want to give you permission to not make terrible financial mistakes as we approach Christmas, all right? Uh, some of us get caught in the trap of the, the current of our culture about going into debt to make other people happy in our lives, okay? Listen, this Christmas, you have permission, you heard it from me, you have permission to not go into debt to make people happy in your life, all right? The scripture says that, that, uh, that when it comes to debt, that the, the, you become a slave to the lender, all right? The borrower is a slave to the lender. We want each other to be free, okay? We want to live in a way where we're positioned uh, to have margin in our budget, to be able to always be a blessing when God wants us to be a blessing. All right, you got that? Are you guys tracking with me this morning? We good? All right, I just need to know that, that we're breathing here. Can we, put, hey, can we pump up the oxygen in the room, somebody? Who, who's in charge of that? All right, we want you to be free. We want you to be blessed, okay? We just do. God wants you to be blessed. Um, the scripture talks all about this, that he has called us as a people uh, to be a blessing to the world. And his way of doing that is to bless his people in order to be a blessing, all right? Now, sometimes that comes through just realizing that you're already blessed, but sometimes that comes through aligning things in our life and actually looking at scriptural principles for how we can ask the Lord and how we can actually honor him in certain ways, which we're going to talk about today, which releases blessing on our lives and our finances. So, uh, so we want you to be free. We want you to be blessed. But I think probably most importantly, the reason we're talking about this is because we want our hearts to be fully his. Even, even just like a little louder amen on that one would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> we want our hearts to be fully his. Now, when, when you start talking about money in church, there's always a few of us that start getting nervous, right? It's just, that's kind of, it just, you know, we just start to perk up a little bit like, whoa, I don't know if we want to go here in church. What I love about Jesus is that it just wasn't an issue to him. Like, he, he'll talk about money all day. Like, he, he had no problem talking about people's money, namely because when he was talking about money, when he's talking about earthly possessions, he was actually going a layer under that. He wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about what mattered most to his listeners. And if you want to get to the heart of a person, you talk about what matters most to them, right? Jesus was always about getting to the heart of the matter. If you want to know anything about Jesus, he's going straight for the heart, and he'll take any route he can to get there. And so we see Jesus, he ends up talking a lot about money, all right? Um, and, and, t- and talking a lot about our lives in submission to God, and our lives uh, designed to live in a, in a place of generosity and multiplying what we have for his kingdom. Jesus 
Jesus knew this, and, and that's why I believe that money is one of the chief rivals for the affection of our hearts. Do you guys know that? Is it okay to say that up here? Are we, we don't need to walk on eggshells. Can we just get it out in the open? Let's just go direct here. Money is one of the chief rivals for the affection of our heart. And Jesus has no problem dethroning other kings of our hearts. You guys know that. <laughs> Jesus likes to come in and take his rightful place. And that's where we honor God. And I'm just excited today because really the heart of all this, the heart of the gospel, the fountainhead of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the generosity of God towards you and I. The fountainhead of the gospel is the generosity of God towards you and I. You guys know that he so loved you. His heart was so full of you. The God of all resource, the God of all abundance, the God who, who knows no such thing as scarcity, the God who knows such thing as, he, he knows, he has no grid for lack. The God of the universe so loved you and I that he what? That he gave. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he he gave himself, not just, he didn't say, hey, I love you so much, I'm going to give you a little bit of some, some, some of this over here. No, he said, I'm going to give you the best. I'm going to give you myself. The fountainhead of the gospel is God's generosity towards us. He gives himself to us without limit. The God of abundance is living inside of you as you put your faith in him. The God of all resource is inside of you Even a golf clap would work on that one. Even a light golf clap. You know, we don't even need a huge, I know it's 9 a.m., but let me just say this again. Jesus Christ, the one and only Son begotten of the Father, the Jesus, whom which nothing is impossible, has been given freely and abundantly and limitlessly to you and is inside of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We could probably just end there. I mean, I think I'm just stoked. I mean, that's, th- th- that is why we're here, yeah? We could end on that note right there, but we're going to talk about a few other things because God's intention is for us to grow in this, to grow, to be a people of blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing, to multiply what he's given us. And so the big idea I want to talk about today is this. We are not owners, okay? We, we just have to just kind of land in this place. And I know every other, every other person, everything else in our culture sends a completely different message than this. So you just got to get this today. We are not owners. We are stewards of what God has given. Stewardship starts when we honor God with our first and our best. God must be first. I'm going to say it again, okay? We are not owners, but stewards of what God has given. Stewardship starts when we honor God with our first and our best. God must be first. Everybody say that. God must be first. So I'm going to read to you a, a few different principles and some passages. I'm, I'm going to just rip fire just straight through a bunch of passages here. And I just want to unpack this idea that God, the God who has given himself to us freely and abundantly, He has asked that we live our lives in a way 
where it's unmistakable that he is number one. He is the king. He is the first. We give him our first, and we give him our best. I'm going to take you through a few principles here. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus 13. We're going to kind of go all over the map here for a few minutes. Exodus 13. And, and God is talking to Moses. Here's what he says in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both men and beast, is mine. And then we skip down to verse 12. He said, You shall set apart to the Lord all, the first opens, all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males you sh- shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or, if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And so kind of the first thing we have to look at when we look at one of the first principles that God lays out in Scripture is that the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, so obviously this principle, what we're reading, is very Old Testament-y. You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about anything being sacrificed, animals being killed. I mean, that's straight up deep. We're in the deep waters of the Old Testament here, right? And here's, let me just explain kind of what's going on here. Ever since sin entered the world, God made a way for us to continue to offer uh, offerings to him and sacrifice him to atone for our sin, substitutionary atonement, okay? So the way it worked was for every, there was clean animals and unclean animals. So for every clean animal, God required that the firstborn of that animal uh, be sacrificed to him, be offered to him. Now, but for all the unclean animals, in order to redeem those animals, he required that a clean animal be offered to redeem the unclean animals, okay? Now, that's kind of confusing, and obviously, um, man, this is not a great time in history for animal lovers, right? Uh, I, I just had that feeling, man, if my wife was alive during this time, she would just cry all day, okay? And, and, and this is probably one of the big things when people look from the outside looking in, looking at the Bible, this is one of the big roadblocks for the mental blocks, because they're trying to make sense of this, like, what is going on here? Why would God require that? But we have to understand what is actually happening. Everything in the Old Testament is just a foreshadowing of what's to come, Right? It's just a picture. Hey, here's what's coming. And I think everybody on earth knows that something fundamentally went wrong. Something went broken. Something needs fixed. And we're kind of using the language clean and unclean here. But we celebrate now that we know how the story kind of ended after the Old Testament, that Jesus came as the pure spotless lamb, right? The spotless lamb, sinless lamb of God to be offered as a sacrifice. He was the clean one that gave himself as a sacrifice to redeem all of those who were unclean. He brought an end to this whole system of sacrifice. Jesus was the final sacrifice on our behalf. But the principle still remains here that what, what, what was in place in the beginning, it still remains. That when the first is given to the Lord, it redeems the rest. You got it? So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's, that's what it says. So second principle, when we get to the farmers here, the first fruits must be offered. Everybody say that. The first fruits must be offered. Say it all together. The first fruits must be offered. Exodus 23, 19. The Lord said, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. 
the best of the first fruits of, the, of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3 says it like this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And so for all the ranchers, God says, you must offer, you must sacrifice. The firstborn must be sacrificed for redeemed. And so then for all the farmers, the first fruits must be offered. And the principle is still the same. God must be first. If you give the Lord the first, the rest will be blessed. He didn't say, he didn't say, hey, listen, when you're done consuming what you got, after you've kind of worked through everything that has been given and come your direction, then just, just think about me after that. I'd be happy to get the leftovers or the seconds or the thirds or whatever is going on. He said, no, honor me with the first of what I've given to you. And, and it starts to bring other questions and kind of make sense of some other things because we even go back a little further. For those of you familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, the first brothers on earth, Right? And it didn't take long for them to kind of get into some conflict as the first brothers on earth. But one of the stories we read in Genesis 4 is that they both brought an offering to the Lord. They both brought an offering to the Lord, but the Lord regarded one and not the other. Let's just read this real quick. Genesis 4, 3 through 5. If you can't keep up with turning your pages, it's okay. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first fruit, or of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So I don't know if you caught that, but that first line says, Cain brought to the Lord what? An offering. didn't say the first offering, didn't say first fruits, but it said Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. So we know that Abel is the rancher, Cain is the farmer. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, but Cain just brought an offering. And it says that God, he could not accept that as an offering from Cain. He could only accept what was the first, because he must be first. He requires that he be first in that way. And I think we have to understand that. We have to get that. And it's not because he's angry. It's not just because he's uptight. And it's not because he's picky. It's because he's God. Is that enough in itself, that he's the king of the universe? I think if there's one person that says, hey, listen, could you just consider me first? When things come your way, when blessing comes your way, would you just consider me first? God gets to do that, and God gets to play that card. Why? Because he knows that when we honor him in that way, he wants to turn the tables and say, listen, I have all this coming back your way. When we honor God with the first, he redeems the rest. And we skip forward. To Leviticus 27.30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's God's. Which brings us to the, the third kind of principle here about the firsts. We started with the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And then the, the first fruits must be offered. Then we move on to the principle, the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first, okay? Now, this is where we kind of call a T for a second, because then there's questions that pop up all the room. You know, cue the guy in the back who said, well, listen, hey, I, you know, that sounds good, but I'm a New Testament believer now, right? And so Jesus put an, old, he put an end to the Old Testament 
So I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if I, if I buy into that because didn't Jesus put an end to that? And I think we have to understand the sequence of events here. Because, yeah, while we are recipients of grace and while we have been invited into a new covenant, we have to understand a couple things here. First of all, the tithe wasn't just part of the law. The tithe actually came into, it came into being hundreds of years before the law. In fact, 400 years before the law, Jacob offered a tithe to the Lord. Okay, 800 years before the law, Abraham brought a tithe to the Lord. And when we say that we're tithe, for those of you who think that's just a weird word, the tithe means a tenth. It just means 10%. It means a tenth, the first tenth. And so tithing showed up before the law. It was ratified by the law, but we even see it in the New Testament a little bit. When we get to uh, even Jesus referring to it. Matthew 23, 23, he said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And so we see that he wasn't rebuking them for giving the tithe. He was rebuking them for the condition of their heart, not being in alignment with what they were offering to the Lord. He said, listen, you got to chase down justice and mercy and righteousness, not just tithe, but do this also. you got to be doing both of them. you got to bring them both. And again, Jesus was still after the heart and all of these things, but we see even here that Jesus refers to the principle of the tithe. Now, another angle that we have to understand is when we evaluate the Old Testament, Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. Yeah, he fulfilled the law. But we have to understand as well, though, that just because it was part of the law, just because it was in the Old Testament, not everything that was bad in the Old Testament is now good because of Jesus. And not everything that was good in the Old Testament is now bad because of Jesus. Grace actually takes us further than the law. Do you understand that? Grace doesn't actually lower the standard. It just relieves us of an obligation. Do you understand? So when, so when Jesus shows up, he says, you have had, you, you have heard it say, said, do not murder, but I tell you. What'd he say? Don't even think angry thoughts. Don't even think hate, hateful thoughts towards a person. Is that lowering the standard? No, it's not. When he says, when he says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, don't even think lustfully upon a woman. We see that again, what grace did, what Jesus did is he didn't lower the standard. He relieved us of obligation. But he says, I want you to respond with the depths of your heart to the degree that God has been generous to you. You are called and invited to be generous back to God and to honor God with what you've been given. It's a, it's a principle that started in the very beginning. If you want to go back to the first story, Adam and Eve, what did God say? And then the thing of stewardship, he gave him the whole garden, right? He said, all of this is yours. Feel free to go around, enjoy the land. But you see that tree over there? That one's mine. Do not touch that tree, all right? That tree is mine. Do not go near it. Do not eat of its fruit. That one is mine. But feel free to enjoy the rest of it. From the very beginning, God has taught us how to be stewards of what he's given us. And and the good news for us is that his plan in all of this is not to take from us. Do you guys get this? 
The plan of the universe is not to take from us, but to release blessing back to us. Do you understand what's going on here? The thing is, the, the thing with the tithe is not as much about the amount. It's about the order. It's about the order. It's about honoring God with the first. It's about, God, I want the first of not just my finances, but everything in my life. I want my first and my best to be directed towards you because you have given us your absolute best. And we are continual recipients of your best, God. We honor the first person that we give to. With that said, please note that the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. Do not honor them first. Honor the Lord first. Listen, Toyota cannot bless you, all right? Honda, I mean, all the Germans, the Japanese, they, I mean, all the great car, car, car manufacturers, they have no power to bless you. So do not, when, when we, when we are recipients of income, economic income and provision of God, the invitation is to honor the one who has the power to release blessing over our life, the one who deserves our first and our best, and that is Jesus Christ. That is the Lord God of the universe. Somebody say amen. He is the one who has the power to release blessing. And when we give, you guys understand that generosity isn't just about the recipient. It's about us. When we're generous, not just with the tithe, but with offerings and giving to those who need, we're reminding ourselves every time we give that I am not a slave to fear. I am not a slave to greed. I am not a slave to anxiety. It's the same thing with forgiveness as we've talked about. When you offer forgiveness to somebody, it's not just that they need forgiveness. It's that you need to forgive them, right? It's, it's as much about your heart, if not more. It's about freeing your heart to, of, of them, to, to give them, to make them obligated to say something to you. Forgiveness is about you. Much the same generosity is about you and I. Generosity is about a daily walk. It's about a lifestyle where every step of the day, I'm reminding myself of who is more important than I. And who is more important than I? Top of the list, the Lord God Almighty. He deserves my first. He deserves my best because he's given us his first and he has given us his best. (laughs) That excites me. And so on that, Malachi chapter 3 says it like this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. The only time in all the scripture where God challenges you to test him is on this very thing. It's usually not a good principle to test God in any other way. I'm just going to throw that out there. You don't want to do that in any other like, sphere of life. Don't, don't go around testing God. But here, God throws out an open invitation. He says, hey, if you want to play ball, if you want to do this, I'm throwing a challenge your way. Test me in this. Bring the tithe. Honor me with the tithe, with your tenth, with the first and I want you to see what's coming back your direction. I want you to see how I fight for you, how I bless. Listen, I would rather live on 90% of what I make blessed than 100% of what I make 
unblessed. I would rather live on 20% of what I make blessed than 100% not blessed. We are invited. God has invited us into a picture, into a scenario, into a principle that allows us as we honor him to return the blessing back our way. This is all about freedom. This is all about joy. This is all about peace. And I got to tell you, I have no issue challenging you and challenging us to do the same thing. I do not walk on eggshells when I talk about this because I have been such a recipient of the same thing. Megan and I, in our lives, as we have continued to give and try to increase that and try to outgive ourselves year after year in as many ways as we can, I cannot tell you how often the Lord returns things in creative ways, in different ways, to say, listen, I see what you're doing. I'm honored by it. And listen, I got your back because I want to bless you to continue to be a blessing. Come on. <laughs> and so this is, this, is not, this is not an invitation of obligation. It's an in- invitation of possibility. It's an invitation of blessing. It's an invitation of we get to. We don't give with begrudging hearts. We give because we get to, because I'm looking for another opportunity to give my entire life away. And, and you know, here at Vine Life, we, we rarely talk about this. Every week we receive the tithes and offerings as an act of worship to God. And some of you, a lot of you give online because it's, it just makes sense. That's the age we live in. That's what I do. I give online every week. Um, I, I give on the city, and we encourage you to do that too. But you know that the posture of our hearts here is not one of control or manipulation. You will never hear us pounding at your door with your giving record saying, hey, listen, um, yeah, well, you know, what, what's, 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 what's going on here? You, know, you won't hear us doing that because we believe that spirit-led generosity is actually more powerful than obligated generosity. Grace-propelled generosity actually has more feet to it, has more legs to it than obligated, required generosity. And we know, and that's what God has done even here. That's what God does in this house, among the church, among the body of Christ. He moves hearts, and as we are recipients of his generosity, he moves us into that life. Now, one thing we don't talk about very regularly, I just want to hit for a second, is how does, how does Vine Life, even as a community, how do we steward what comes in? How does Vine Life steward the tithes and offerings? I think this is just good to know. Um, every week when you give, when we pass around buckets, and some of us give with cash, some of us give with check. Again, some of you give online. On Sunday mornings, though, our ushers, just like they did a moment ago, they take the buckets to the back, and, and, and at least two of our ushers p- combine all those in an envelope, and then they, they are, accompany each other. They take that upstairs to our offices, and they deposit that into a locked room upstairs, um, where it is, it is safe and secure, okay? On Monday or Tuesday morning, our finance director, Tammy Knott, which is, she's awesome, and we're so thankful for her and what she does around here. Our finance director and uh, our awesome receptionist, Betty Young, um, they get together and they have a powwow. They have a little party. They get together and they, um, they, they look through, they open up all the envelopes and they kind of, they sort through and they count up the money and they take all of that money and before they deliver it to the bank, okay, they lay their hands on this offering every week and they pray over it. And they pray for multiplication. They pray for blessing. 
They pray that you are blessed. They pray that to the degree that you are honoring the Lord and you are seeking to give out of a cheerful heart, they're praying that the blessing returns back to you, that your, that, that your provision would increase in your life so that you can continue to be a blessing. They're praying for you every week. Okay? And we pray for those who give online every week. And so after that, they deposit that to the bank. Now, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture. We want you to know that there is accountability on every level here. It's not like just one person deciding where, how things are spent and distributed and invested. There's accountability on every level. As the tithes come in, we pray. The church has a board who, who prays through how we are supposed to distribute the finances to meet the vision of the church and to continue to be a blessing as a church in so many ways. And we are being a blessing in so many ways, guys. So we have a board that meets. Twice a year, we have a CPA, Rich Palak, who comes in and audits us. Every receipt, every penny spent is accounted for around here. There ain't anybody sneaking it out the back. There ain't anybody, you know, you know, out, you know, you know, buying cars with, with stolen money. That is not happening here. It is accounted for. And we, you know, even more than our own accountability, we are accountable to the Lord for what happens with, with the money that is given in this place. And we take that very seriously. We want to be a church that sends a message that we believe God is good and that the world needs to know he's good. And we are doing everything we can to, to utilize, to steward the resources given to make sure that that message is unmistakable from this house. Okay? And so we steward on every level. And, 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 and what happens? And so... Um, so some years, some months, when, when giving is up and, and, and over budget, we pray through how we can invest that into the needs around this community and, and invest that and distribute that in our different ministries and different outreaches. Um, on, on weeks, on months, on years where giving is down, we simply, we just spend less, all right? It doesn't take a genius to do that. We do exactly what you do in your own home. When, when income is down, it's okay. We just spend less than we did before, okay? And, and for the last, like, several months or, you know, this, the last period, finances have been a little bit below budget. That's okay. They can be below budget, because guess what? We just spend less. We steward better. We are, we honor what's given. We're thankful to the Lord with what's given, and we spend it and we use it wisely. Now, for, the, for when we meet our budget, and as we move forward, and as we continue to chart the course of this next season, what does giving make possible as we continue to give? Obviously, one of our biggest ministry assets around here is, is staff. People don't get entirely excited about paying for staff all the time. But staff, I'm telling you, our staff, we have so many gifted ministry leaders and pastors. One of our greatest ministry assets for outreach is the staff and the leaders that God has given to us to reach out. Do you guys agree with that? And I don't just say that. I'm not puffing up. I don't say that for myself. I know the rest of the guys I work with. I know the guys who do this on a volunteer level. I know the guys who do it for free. I know, you know, I, I know the hearts going out here. We have a heart that wants to give and give and give and give and give. And God is doing that. When we give, we make it possible for others to sit in this very room to enjoy and experience with the family of God in worship and in the word of God like we're doing now. So if, if, if giving is not a practice to you, um, 
you should be thankful for those in the room who give because they want to make a seat. They want to create a space for you, a spot for you to be able to encounter God week after week, that this room can be heated, that the lights can be on, that the sound system can be working, amen, right? And that we can continue to, to focus in and track with one another on what's going on. Um, we we administrate uh, the ministries of, of other ministries outside of Vine Life. Missionaries all around the world rely on our administrative staff to help support them and to support what they're doing. What we're doing with children's and youth and Wellspring and Africa and missions. We, there's so many different components of what we do. And that's because of you, because of us, as we've caught this heart and as we believe in what God's doing here, as we've been faithful to honor the work of ministry that's happening here. God is ministering to hearts. And can I just stop for a moment and can we just thank the Lord for the ministry that goes out of this place? Can we just maybe even raise up a clap together to honor God for what he does with us? When we're in God's hands, we win every time. Do you know that? There is no losing when you're in the hands of God, when you've entrusted your life to him. And that's really the point here. And, and, the, and we're not going to end this message by passing around a bucket. That's not what we're doing, all right? First of all, you would see it coming, all right, and it wouldn't count. It'd be kind of cheesy to do that. Second of all, it's, it's, it's aside from the point. That's not the point. The point isn't to react and just say, all right, what, 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 what do I need to do? How much do I owe? What do I got? Let's do it. I want to do it. You got me. What do I owe? Tell me what to write. That's not the right question. That's not the right question. I think 2 Corinthians 9 gets at the real question. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The right question is, do you get excited about the thought of giving? That's the right question. The right question is the question of the heart. Is there something inside of you that leaps, that comes to life at the, at, at the thought of giving not only your finances, but giving yourself away because Christ has fully given himself to you. And it's, a, and it's a question we all have to answer. We have to keep our hearts in check here. And again, let me remind you, Jesus is after not our money. He's after our hearts. And he won't stop till he gets to the bottom of your heart, the core. And so some of us here today, you need to pray about what that means for you. Are you bringing to God your first and your best? Is that something you're honoring him with? And if that's something you, you're reluctant to even go down that road, you have to ask him, God, why is that? What are these boundaries? What are these barriers that keep me from honoring you with my first and my best, God? I think others in here need to rearrange. We need to rearrange the way we think. That God really, at the end of the day, is for you. That his heart is to sow into you, is to bless you. 
so that we can continue to be a blessing, to enrich us in every way so that we can be generous in every way, as the scripture says. That's the life I want to live. I don't know about you, that's the life I want to live. Is anybody else with me on that? (laughs) All right, I'm going to pray for you, okay? And then there's one more thing I'm going to do before Walt comes. And I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to go out and enjoy today. Oh, Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for how you designed life to be best lived. God, I want to thank you for this community. I thank you for the men and the women who over the years have believed in the ministry that has gone out from this place, God. I believe in all of the other peripheral ministries that have gone out from this place because we have been captivated by the kingdom. We've been captivated by the picture of what happens when people get into your presence, God. And I thank you that even today, Even today, even in this moment, that you're loosening chains that have held us, God, and you're freeing us up to be generous in every single way. God, I thank you that we can look at each other with a smile on our face, knowing that we can never outgive you, that we have always been outgiven by you, that the spirit of Christ, the resurrection life of Christ that is inside of our bones pours into us more every day than anything that we can give out. We rejoice in who you are, God. And I pray today that we would learn to give with smiles on our face, God, with joy in our hearts, not reluctantly, because that doesn't please you, but cheerfully, God, knowing that you are for us and we are yours, Jesus. We love you in this place, God. Be honored, God. Be the first, not just in our songs, not just in our prayers, but in the way we live our lives, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.